have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn John 15. If you don't have one with you, there should be one in the pew there in front of you. If you don't own one, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. If you don't know where the book of John is, there's a table of contents at the front. And believe it or not, I still use it. It's a good thing. John 15. Y'all know that there's a dating show that's going to be on this afternoon. million people are going to watch it like millions. And apparently there's a game going on around it. It's amazing how much conversation is going on around this. Yesterday I was watching the pregame for basketball, like college game day for college basketball. And that's not when like in the middle of a basketball game they're trying to make up time. Look, that's when they're supposed to be talking about the college basketball games and they were talking about whether or not they're going to get engaged today after the Super Bowl if the Chiefs win. I'm like, really? The world pays attention to relationships and the world also will tell us whether or not we realize it or not how to do relationships. What does it look like for us to look at God's word and not the world when it comes to relationships? We're in a series as we approach Valentine's Day, which, uh, yes, helping you out here, guys, is this week. As we approach Valentine's Day, last week we talked about dating. This week we're going to talk about marriage. A few of you have heard this story. I'm going to actually show you a few pictures today. My wedding day was awesome and also a little more humbling than I was anticipating. Before the service, got in a room in the back with my brothers and men who had impacted my life and guys who had discipled me and they prayed over me that I could be a husband like God's word says. And we're going to talk about today and I was immediately realizing I can't do this on my own but how, how much anticipation there was in this moment and I started to get emotional. Now, I know that really surprises y'all. And I thought this is not a good day to get emotional. Right? This is, I'm about to stand in front of the people that are closest to me and I'm going to be the man in this relationship. More pictures are going to be taken of me today than any other day in my life, right? Like, this is not time to lose it. So then, uh, and I didn't know they were going to sing this today, but one of my lifelong close friends starts our service by singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we have a faithful God and in spite of our unfaithful unfaithfulness he's faithful right it's the story of the gospel I was emotional as that happens and then I, I come in front with the the guys that are standing beside me and turn to face the room and think man okay I'm gonna I'm, I've got it I'm gonna I'm, no come on here we go Sam and then the doors open and here comes this amazing woman that I love so much and I lose it uh, the next picture here you can't really see my face super good on the screen there but I am like uh, look at my hands and my legs like what am I doing I just start crying well good thing they get up front and then you get to turn and face the other way right and the, the pastor talks for a little while and he then says, turn and face. 
And repeat after me. Now, these words are probably the most important words I'm going to ever say in my life, right? These are my wedding vows. And I didn't realize how emotional I was. This is what happened. He said, Sam, repeat after me. I, Sam, take you, Rebecca. And it was... <laughs> literally, like, words were not understandable. Uh obviously enough that when it got to the point in the vows with this ring I thee wed uh, the day before the pastor had joked about Princess Bride love we love and he called this the wing so apparently the audible word in my vows with this ring I thee wed came out wing Uh, so much so that this beautiful girl uh, who was just, I can't believe, sticking around during this whole thing, smiling at me, uh, she all said her vows beautifully, uh, but when it got to that part, she said, and with this wing, I thee win. <laughs> God, in his sense of humor, uh, allowed for me not just to be emotional with my voice, but I had tears coming from here, and I also had tears coming from here. <laughs> now... The viscosity of these tears are different than the viscosity of these tears. And these tears were, were flowing down my face and just like dripping on the floor. This was coming down my face and not dripping on the floor, just like hanging there. The slide before this, this was in my, my grandfather was a Lutheran minister. This is his church, the church that my father grew up in. Four o'clock in the afternoon, light shining down through the windows, lighting up her veil, the, the angel I'm marrying, and she had to look at this radioactive string of snot <laughs> to the point where, like, we, we actually, I'm sorry I don't have it, we've seen videos of people that were up close, these are being taken to the back of the room, that the snot was like below our arms, like as we're like <laughs> just doing this. At one point, it eventually did drip. Second time it gets here, she reached up and grabbed it. <laughs> Humiliation. But I love her. I really do love her so much. First act that we had as a married couple is we had communion together. And, uh, and then we're to pray and I had in my mind in fact I'd even written out words of this beautiful prayer that I was going to pray with my wife and this is what came out like we're at this little kneeling bench help 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 that's what I prayed help Later, we actually had a conversation once, and she was like, why did you, why did you really need to pray help that much? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I do think one of the reasons that I, I was praying help is I actually was part of a Christian family camp, and they would actually teach on marriage. And when I would hear them teach on marriage, uh, they would teach this truth that is in Ephesians chapter 5 which is first given in Ephesians chapter five to all people. And it says that if you're a follower of Jesus, we're to love other people like Jesus has loved us. And then Paul takes it to the most extensive teaching on marriage in our Bible in chapter five. And he says, husbands, 
love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And frankly, I knew I loved her, loved her, but I knew and I didn't really even know how much help I was going to need with that. So now that I'm perfect at it, I'm just going to give you all these examples. <laughs> and you can take notes on, no. I actually changed the passage I was planning to teach the last two weeks because my question was, as I looked at the Bible, I was like, okay, I see the command that you give to all people to love other people like Jesus loves us. And then you apply it to marriage. But is there anywhere in the Bible that actually can help us? To do that, is there any teaching in Scripture that can say, here's what needs to be going on in your life if you're going to love other people that way? And then I was reminded that this teaching didn't start with Paul. Jesus actually started it in the upper room the night before he died with his disciples. He said, a new command I give you, love one another the way I have loved you. Okay, Jesus, what needs to happen in our life for that to happen? Well, if you skip a chapter in our Bibles, you see that later on that evening, he told you and I what needed to be happening in our lives for love like that to happen through our lives. So in order to honor God's word, I want to invite you to stand. Ephesians chapter 5 teaching the truth that we see right now in John 15. So John 15, the words of our Savior. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Read this last verse with me. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I want to invite you right now to take a seat. I usually give you a different posture. And if your spouse is in the room, I want to invite you to, to grab your spouse's hand. You're here, so I'm gonna, I didn't do this first hour because you weren't here. I know it's just weird for you to grab hands. Uh, do, y'all, do y'all ever fight about even how you hold hands, like interdigitate or cup? All right, here we go. If, if you don't have a spouse in the room, this applies to you also. I truly believe this was given to all people to teach us how to love like Jesus, okay? So pray with me. Uh, God, even as I, uh, I touch Rebecca's hand right now, no, I'm not good at doing this, and I need your help. And God, I pray for the marriages in this room that you'd help. And for all of us, even if we're not married, you'd help us to love people like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the progression I wanna make today. First, I'm gonna talk about what. What does it look like to love like Jesus loves? And then how. How do we do that? And maybe more, what needs to happen in our life for that love to come out of us. So what? What? Love like Jesus loves you. If you missed it, verse 12, this is what Jesus says. This is my commandment, which he's referred to earlier, that you love one another as I have loved you. What, what, what does that kind of love look like? The word for love there in the original language, if you've grown up in church, a lot of times this is talked about. That word is not the word for friendship love, which will be talked about actually in a few verses. He calls his followers his friends. It's not the word for friendship love. It's not the word for romantic love. It's a word for sacrificial serving love. Some of you in the room, I've had the honor of actually marrying. Not like I'm married to her, but like I did your service. That's always confusing to say. And that I'm aware of, all but one of the services I've led, I've said these words. Few people realize the Bible never once tells us to marry the person we love. Instead, the Bible commands us over and over to love the person we marry. Now, most of you had the privilege of marrying someone that you love romantically. You take on then the responsibility to love like Jesus. Well, how did he love us? 
Well, I want to first point back to that this command first happens, chapter 13, with Jesus and his disciples at a table. He says, a new command I give you, love one another the way I have loved you. How did he just show love to his disciples at the table? Anybody know? What did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. He washed the disciples' feet. Washing feet at that point in time was like the lowest level of a servant in the room would do that because in the streets was literally where their sewage was and they wore sandals. And so this was a radical, radical kind of love. And he says, follow my example before actually saying, love others the way I've loved you. I think the world actually teaches us in relationships that, okay, when we're at the table with the other person, our role is to look at the menu and say, this is what I like and I want, so I'll make an order. But instead, what Jesus shows us is that our role at the table in marriage and in our relationships with other people, again, this was given to all. It's, I believe, Paul even shows us Marriage is an environment in which this is a hyper-focused opportunity for us as Christians. We get to love like Jesus and serve. Not ordering what we want from the menu, but bringing and doing for the other what they need. What, 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 is that, what does that kind of love look like? Well, chapter 15, he actually takes it a step farther. The next verse, he says, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So not, not just willing to serve the other, but willing to die for the other. Do y'all know what Jesus is gonna do, right? And then the next day, Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to suffer because he deserved it? No, because I and you are terrible at loving like, like God has invited us into. Uh, we, we've chosen to reject his love on so many levels and live life our way and not his way. And the penalty for us rejecting God we, we deserve separation from the holy and righteous God forever is death. But the Bible tells us that God so loved the world, we just heard it from the mouth of our kids, that he gave his only son, that he was ready to come and not be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can, can I point out uh, in that illustration, Jesus' love in him laying down his life is demonstrated through pain. I think that we often think that if my life is painful right now, it's because the person I'm married to is just messing it up. I heard a, a man uh, in Colorado this last week share a story 
I wasn't in Colorado, I, I was listening to a podcast about someone he had married, not, I, I messed it up again, done the service for. And the man came to him and he said, hey pastor, I, I'm out. This is not what I signed up for. And he's like, what do you mean? He said, well, my, my wife got sick and then that sickness led to depression and that depression led to her overeating and she's heavy she doesn't like herself anymore she's taking it out on other people this is not what I signed up for and then he he said that is exactly what you signed up for do you remember at the altar when you said in sickness and in health, right? For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse? No, you signed up for this. You made a covenant before God to sacrificially love another person for life. And God is giving you an opportunity right now to grow, to be more like Jesus as you love. He then pointed out that the love of Jesus on the cross is demonstrated in loving not our for betters, right? It's for our worses. If, if your marriage is in pain right now, here's Tim and Kathy Keller. Uh, Tim Keller recently passed. They have a great book on meaning of marriage. This is just how they define marriage in the book. Marriage is a vehicle for spouses to help each other become their glorious future selves through sacrificial service, which is the way Jesus has loved us, and spiritual friendship, which also shows up in John 15, God's love for us. That's very different, I think, than the way the world talks about marriage love, isn't it? Romans chapter five says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope is not disappoint us because God has poured out his what? Love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I'm really bad at that kind of love. I'm really bad at it. Um, I, I uh, before Christmas, got sick. And I've actually been recovering since then. I had the flu for like 16 days. Some of you all might have wondered, why is Sam coming out from back there and not sitting in here? It's because I didn't want to get people sick. Um, after that, I got on antibiotic. The antibiotic like ended up messing up my system and I actually ended up in the hospital for a few days. Crazy. Uh, we didn't want any people to worry because everybody said, well, you're gonna get better. It's just taking time, right? So after that, liver's messed up. I can't eat the normal things. My body's ready to sleep like 12 hours a day. You know what that means? That means I'm like zero when it comes to serving my wife and have been for like a month plus. And this awesome girl has had to step up and sometimes it's a lot longer, right, than a month, month and a half, but maybe you've seen it in your marriage and you felt it and I've gotten to, she's already, always, a, she is a servant. Waking up, saying sleep in, I'll take care of the kids. Uh, cooking food that I can eat, which is, a servant to me and actually because not everyone in our family will eat everything that I could eat uh, yeah so thank you for that 
And this week, <laughs> I, uh, she was making food for dinner, serving our family, hosting people. And she had just said to one of our children, hey, it's not time for dinner yet, you not, shouldn't eat. And I come in after working out and thought, you know, I should just be the, the cup bearer, right? For the family and make sure I sample all the food in the kitchen. Has this ever been a problem in y'all's kitchen? As I look back on it, truly, I'm, I feel so selfish. And I go to sample the meat because I just needed to eat 10 minutes before everybody else. And uh, she said, hey, not right now. And I got my feelings hurt. And I went out and pouted about it. Like, I'm, I am not good at this kind of love. Uh, even the more I reflect on it, we reflected. I just, it's embarrassing even talking about it. But uh, we went outside. Her, the guests we were hosting were her, her parents. And we had to talk outside because of how stinking selfish I am. Anyone else ever notice before talking about how how does this kind of love happen I had been studying for this thinking sermon this week and I still if, if, if right now you're walking through pain in your marriage uh, maybe it's an opportunity for God to use it to grow you to be more like Jesus I want to put a stat on the screen there's different studies that have been done um, this is one National Survey of Families and Households, 5,232 married adults were interviewed and 1,315 said they were unhappily married. Hey, just a real quick note on that. I didn't even mention it first hour, I wish I had. Uh, students, I think there is this misunderstanding that sometimes comes out of a sermon like this to, to tell you that marriage is always unhappy. That's not true. Three quarters of those that filled out that survey were saying their marriage is happy. That's an awesome thing. But marriage goes through tough times. Three quarters that said, the quarter that said unhappily, five years later, the same adults who said they were unhappily married, some who had divorced, some who had stayed married, we're going to talk about divorce here in a second, were interviewed again. Nearly 80% of the couples who decided to stick it out and stay together considered themselves happily married and much happier. Of the couples who got divorced, only 19% reported being happy. What's, what's the, the moral of, of, of interviews like that? If it's hard, if it's painful right now, love your spouse like Jesus loves you. Now, here's the caveat. Many of you here in the room are divorced. Do you know the Bible actually gives an out? In fact, the Bible says if, if there's infidelity in the marriage, uh, unrepentant I would, would say in, in light of that too and what's going on you, you can get divorced and the Bible gives freedom for that as believers I, I, I would also say there's one point in the scripture that talks about being deserted by an unbelieving spouse most biblical theologians and I believe this also say that if you're in a relationship where abuse is happening and that's not repentant and changing you, you shouldn't be in that relationship right uh, so many actually go through divorce and they're not, I would say, at fault in the divorce. Uh, some are at fault in divorce. Uh, some of you have hit the person you love the most and you destroyed your life. 
you need to know, if you have, a, you have parents that have been divorced, you need to know that divorce is forgiven through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is, it is, it is not what divines a person. If you're a follower of Jesus, the blood of Christ is what defines you. If, if, if you've walked with someone through it, you know that there's life after divorce. And there, there can be wonderful, happy relationships later. So what, what's the moral of the story and stay with the, the one if it's painful? What, stay with the one you're with right now if those, those other things aren't happening. Does that, does that, that make sense? If it's painful, if the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, the answer is not try to get to the other side of the fence. It's water your grass. <laughs> what does that mean? How do you invest in your marriage? How do you love better in your marriage? I asked the church this week, uh, and many of you responded, I actually don't know how to really do social media well, and so there are a whole lot more responses than this, but what's the best advice you've ever received on marriage? If you want to take a picture of that, you can. Uh, this is a lot of fun things that the church said. I'm not going to walk through all of them, but here's the way I'm going to summarize all of them. Ultimately, they push us to love like Jesus and or focus on the love of Jesus in order to love like Jesus. And that's what I want you to see. How, 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 how do we do this? Focus on your relationship with Jesus. This, this command, love like Jesus, happens in the context of John 15. And in John 15, Jesus has been teaching this truth of the vine and the branches. Uh, I'm going to use verse 5 to summarize his teaching. Oh, that basket's not connected to it. I should have known that. I, yeah. So, Jesus is teaching in John 15 this truth of the vine and the branches. And here is, I'm trying to cover up that metal thing, but it doesn't work. And just like you can't cover up stuff in marriage. I'm just saying. All right, here we go. Yeah. Jesus teaches, I am the vine. I am the source of life, eternal life. I, I am the life source. He's the one that is rooted. And he tells his disciples, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I think it applies to you also. You are the branches. You are the branches. This is his allegory. And he says, he says, you know what? Whoever abides in me, the word there for abide, I talked about it last week. It's a close, focused relationship with Jesus the words in me, I hadn't studied that last week, I got to study it this week. In me shows up 16 times in the book of John. All 16 times in me is referring to a close, focused relationship with Jesus. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much, what's the word? Fruit, all right? Uh, the fruit's kind of hiding on the vines here because I'm not holding them the right way, I guess. Here we go. Fruit. The fruit in the Bible uh, some actually hold fruit to mean just like evangelical fruit, new people coming to faith in Christ. And that's kind of how I was taught it growing up. But in this passage and in many other places in the Bible, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The, the fruit in this passage, the two he talks about are those first two in that list. Joy, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. When you're abiding in me, that fruit of the Spirit's going to come. But the one that's emphasized, talked about nine times we read the word agape, love. The fruit of love, he says, comes when you stay close to me in a close, focused relationship. Are you going to be perfect at it? No, vines aren't perfect at it either. I mess it up all the time. 
But if you want to bear the fruit of loving others like Jesus loves you, you need to be in a close relationship with the one who is perfect at loving. Here's the problem. The world is telling us that we need to find our Taylor Swifts. And if we do, we're going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we can just find that other person, then all of a sudden, the life that we are looking for is going to be that. Like that's, that is not the way it works. A Kathy Keller in that book that I mentioned earlier, Kathy Keller says, you know what happens when a needy person finds another needy person? It's like twice the need. Sinful people find others. How, where do we go? We've got to go to Jesus. Jesus is the source of life. Paul says it this way. It's the love of Christ that must control us. It's the love of Christ when we're connected to him that is the, what, what will change our lives. The love of Christ controls us. This is 2 Corinthians verse 5. And it, as we're controlled by the love of Christ, you know what happens? Look at what it says. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he who died for all, that he may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. When we connect to the love of Jesus, we get to live to serve Jesus. And that serving of Jesus and loving Jesus back overflows onto those around us and definitely in our marriage. And I would say it's hyper-focused in our marriage. Well, how do you do that? How do you abide in him? This passage talks about communication with Jesus. He's about to die the next day. How are they going to keep talking to him? Well, he tells them that he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. He says to them twice, my word, when he's talking about abiding, my word being in you. Do we have the words of Jesus? We do. My commands, he says five different times, twice saying being obedient to the words that I'm giving you in my communication with you is part of what abiding looks like, us hearing from God. And then we get to talk back to him. He, this radical promise that shows up twice in the vine and illustration. If we're abiding in him and his words are in us in a close focused relationship, we get to ask whatever he, we wish and it's gonna be done. Why? Because his desires are becoming our desires and we are praying in line with his will. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful. What does it look like for you to abide? It's, it's starting that communication with God, with God. And can I say you don't need your spouse for that to happen? In fact, it needs to be happening individually even if you're doing it with your spouse. You should be meeting with God, connecting to the vine and letting it bear fruit in your life. Another stat that I'll put on the screen here that is staggering, if we can do this also together, Family Life has surveyed thousands of couples and found that less than 8% of Christian couples, y'all notice that? Pray together on a regular basis. However, for Christian couples who actively pray together, there's another survey that was out there saying praying together after hearing an intimate request that found the same stat. The divorce rate is less than 1%. For those who do that. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's supernatural. That's 
supernatural. I do know that in the room and in your marriage, there are people that are more verbal and people that are less verbal. Uh, there, there are some of you that want to just talk all the time. And if that can include God, then great. Let's just pray all the time too. That'll be just really great. Some of you, that's, that's not the way you are made, right? That's okay. And usually it's the guy. Can I just invite you with your spouse to ask your spouse, hey, what's hard in your life right now or good? And after they say it, say, okay, dear God, and say what they just said, and then say, will you help? You'd be amazed, I think, at what it would do in your marriage. I, in my marriage, if you haven't figured it out, I'm the one that talks all the time. Let me tell you how fun it is uh, when we have our family devos for everyone in the room to, dear family, I'm gonna open God's word and I'm gonna explain it all to you. Uh, we usually do a short family devo where we read from one, a devotional book and then we pray. And I'm usually one that talks too much often in my prayer. But Rebecca will pray over our family. And the, the most special part of the weekly routine for me is on Saturday night after I've gone through my final run-throughs for the sermon on Sunday I'm, I'm usually feeling anxiety that I'm going to mess it up and I, I go into the room where she's in she's usually reading in a chair in a room and I'll go put my head in her lap and she'll put her hand she'll put her hand on my head and she'll say God helps him to say what you want him to say tomorrow and that's it but she is helping connect us to the vine. I wanna invite you to grab the hand of a spouse if they're there. If, if you're in the room and you're a student that's just interested in the person next to you, probably don't grab their hand just yet, that'd be awkward. <laughs> I don't. Grab their hand. God, uh, thank you for loving in spite of our mess. Help us to connect to our relationship with you and bring your kind of love into our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.